Welcome to The Bible Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cable, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado, Boulder. Well, Zach, it's the second Sunday in Lent. We've made it, made it this far. have not yet perished by nuclear war, so that's a good sign. I mean, that's a, it's a pretty low bar these days. Things are looking up. One of our primary goals these days when we record a podcast on a Thursday, about 10 days out of the Sunday for which we are uh, recording it, is always that we're going to make it to that Sunday. We live life, some people live life a quarter mile at a time, like a.k.a. Paul Walker. Uh, in Fast and the Furious, but uh, we live life about nine to ten days at a time. That's right. That's right. I think uh, last week we made clear that our geopolitical knowledge of Eastern Europe is somewhat minimal, <clears throat> perhaps more so now that I spend hours a day reading <laughs> everything I can. But I, I'm curious, Zach, do you have thoughts on, uh, it seems like this is now spinning out to affect FIFA and uh, European soccer and uh, any any thoughts? Hey. Any thoughts? I know you're an aficionado of worldwide soccer, global 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 football. Uh, any thoughts? I was at a, a Champions League match the other night, which is maybe worth talking about. Uh, I told some students I was headed to a Champions League match that night, and they were like, "You're going to Europe tonight?" I was like, "No, no, no, my friends." I'm going to take in a little Concacaf Champions League. Concacaf, of course, is the uh, incredibly corrupt confederation of uh, national soccer bodies in North, Central America, and the Caribbean, uh, where I saw my hometown, Colorado Crapids, lose a shootout in zero-degree weather to a Guatemalan side, Comunicaciones, uh, who was down a man for most of the match. Uh, so that was a tough night out. Uh, Matt... <laughs> It is funny how the more you learn about something, the more it feels like the less you know, right? Because you're aware, you start yeah. to learn about all the things you don't, uh, about all the things you didn't know you didn't know. And now you're like, you just drown. Uh, but I've, for the podcast, for our listeners, I've been keeping my tabs on international sport for, for quite a while. I have a little bit of experience uh, as, uh, as uh, in the uh, track and field world, in the world of athletics, as they like to call it, the IAAF, uh, and uh, FIFA. And, <laughs> you know, last week we talked about a lot about, about memories we had as children. I remember watching The Wall Fall in, in elementary school. Um, I also remember the first time I watched the Steve Prefontaine movie. Uh, there are two of them. You should watch the one with Donald Sutherland. It's the better one. And... Uh, it's about Prefontaine's real life fight with the AAU uh, that like there are all these fat cats running the Olympics, running amateur athletics, and he was forced uh, to not be able to make any money off of this running. And you, when I watched it, I remember thinking, wow, glad it's not like that anymore. Um, <laughs> I may have been wrong, Matt. <laughs> I may have been wrong. It turns out international sport generally pretty corrupt uh, uh, for lots of different reasons, but that's just the way it is. Uh, you know, news coming out this week that uh, Xi Jinping asked um, Putin to hold off because he definitely knew about it, the Ukrainian invasion, uh, until his Olympics were over. Uh, Olympics that right. were super gross and uh, not fun to think about uh, for more than 30 seconds uh, so that we could have the purity of those games. 
Uh, but FIFA stepping in, FIFA, of course, did not want to do the right thing yeah. in the situation. Let's be clear before we say FIFA did the right thing. They didn't want to do this. They came out with a statement that basically was like, we are very disappointed in Russia uh, and wish they wouldn't do the things they did. We're going to keep thinking about this is the first statement. Uh, and then they came out with actions. Uh, but it's also worth saying that with that Russia, which, you know, I have friends in the uh, high level, like professional running world and, um, you know, having a systematic doping program uh, exposed and having that be a known thing uh, is will get some of my friends incredibly angry um, about how horrible that is. And then that the punishment the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, issued was that you couldn't wear – that they had to give me their Russia vests, right? Like <laughs> – uh, yeah. They had to give the, they had to give their their official uniforms to fire victims in Louisville, Colorado, but they could only compete as the Russian Olympic Committee, not under the flag. And so that really hurt them deep. And I mean, they still competed and won medals. And it turned out the the doping thing is completely over and has no effect on current competitors, except for the minor who got caught up in it, uh, who they doped. Um, so. Uh, it's been a pre-existing thing that international athletics, uh, international sport, has not been too interested in uh, in, in uh, taking significant action. Uh, you know, speaking of one of the things that you can say about CONCACAF Champions League, uh, dear listener, if you don't know, Europe, UEFA, which is the European Champions League, which takes the best teams in all the leagues in Europe and they play together, it's probably the most important and best soccer tournament in the world year to year. And uh, it's one of its primary sponsors is Gazprom. Uh, you know, Russian oil company, uh, nationally owned, you know, state company. Um, so, oh my gosh, international so- soccer, <sighs> whether it's sovereign like wealth funds, uh, like the Qataris or the UAE or MBS out of Saudi who just bought Newcastle, um, there is questionable money all over the place. Um, and so what's important to say what happened, like why change happened, because that's, Who cares what Zach thinks about international sports? Maybe our listeners do care about how you get corrupt organizations that are disappointing to you to do the things that are right. Here's how you do it. Yeah. Uh, So qualifying for the upcoming World Cup, which is being held in Qatar in the winter, because international sport is definitely above board, um, (laughs) is underway. And the last round of, of qualification for teams in Europe is happening. So there's this like second chance qualification. So so this big thing, uh, everybody who won their group got to go and a bunch of the second place teams are doing playoffs to get spots. And Russia is one of those second place teams with playoffs. And they were in a, uh, in a four, right? Four, there are four teams and one team gets to go. And uh, I believe it's Czech Republic, uh, Poland, Sweden were the other teams. And they all said they would not play Russia. Um, and so they forced FIFA's hand to say, either we ban Russia or we give them a bye to the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Right? Not a good luck. Yeah. Um, and so it was like people at this lower level making a concrete choice that could have backfired. I mean, like, you know, a lot of us are surprised how, 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 how people have reacted to the situation in Ukraine. But that you, FIFA could have said, okay, well, you don't play then in bye, right? Yeah. Or that the Poland, who was supposed to play in the first round, could say we're not going to play them and 
Sweden and the Czech Republic on the other side say, okay, we'll, we will play them. Uh, and so that's a more palatable situation for FIFA than a straight buy for Russia to the World Cup. Um, yep. And so they, they were forced to make a decision they probably didn't want to make, right? And they're just going to cost them a bunch of uh, Russian oil money that uh, Gazprom's been suspended as a a sponsor of the of the Champions League. Russia will not be competing, along with Belarus will not be playing any home games uh, in the near future. Uh, a little less significant because Belarus is terrible um, in a lot of ways. Uh, that Russia's not going to the World Cup. So, because uh, their first statement was like something along the lines of, oh, well, we'll, you know, we'll make them compete under the name Russian Olympic, Russian right. soccer yeah, team, right? We're going <laughs> to... We're going to give them the old Washington Commanders, and that'll really show them. But then it's had this tidal wave of stuff that, like, uh, that the the sanctions. Um, Roman Abramovich, who's the oil ola, Russian oil oligarch who yeah. bought Chelsea, whoever, however long ago, is afraid of having the football team seized. Uh, so he's selling right now, actively looking, trying to get rid of it, so that he gets cash out of it. Um, that the, oh, that's why he's doing it because he thought it'd just get taken away. He could just get taken away. Yeah, uh, oh. that he it, he like put out this mealy mouth statement about how his stewardship of the club is now with his like trust, his uh, uh, charitable trust. And everybody's like, "What does that mean?" And then a week later, uh, he's scared enough that he's selling, like actively selling the club now. Um, and you're you're you know F one. Uh, Drive to Survive, folks uh, who enjoyed that Netflix series during the pandemic. Uh, Nikita Mazepin, whose father is an oil oligarch who bought him a seat in a race car and sponsored the team. Uh, England has banned him from competing at the summer at the race that's in at Silverstone in uh, in England. So to be seen, they've taken Haas, the team he races for, is not going to allow his uh, father's basically state-run owned uh, oil company to sponsor their car. So craziness, Matt, craziness. Yeah. Maybe the big takeaway, yeah. you know, a bunch of Swedish, Czech, Polish players say refusing to play caused actual change in the world. <laughs> yeah, it is. Gosh, thank you for that. Thank you for that. For record. whom, right? Like, like, you know, as a professional soccer player, uh, playing in a world cup right is as good as it gets and it's a really weird thing you don't get paid very much for it um you know like but that's and you only get so many opportunities since it happens every four years and so they they risk that you know to yeah. and uh and it paid off this time no, it's really it's really extraordinary to me because uh, like you said all this all this corruption uh even last olympics like i remember like who's this rock team <laughs> Oh, that's just what they're calling it's Jay-Z's team. It's, like it's, it's Rock Nation. He, like, like the whole thing was nuts, but we just kind of were like, yeah, that's crazy. And then this time when they tried to do the same thing as a sanction, everyone was like, no, like, hell no, that's not. And now, so somehow, like, everyone's just being shamed into, I don't know how else to put it, but like <laughs> doing something, doing, doing, the right, doing the right thing, I guess. I don't, and then I have a hard time, like, I'm, pretty deeply cynical about the West. I'm not quite sure like how that happened or why that happened or like, I mean, I know they invaded another country, but like horrible things happen all the time, but somehow we've like finally decided, okay, we're going to draw a line, which is just nuts. Uh, I mean, it's just nuts to see it actually, actually happen. Um, I, I read an article too, about how like the cultural, some of these cultural bands uh, might actually be 
as impactful as some of the economic bans. Hmm. Like, again, probably not immediately. Like, Russia's probably like, just worst case scenario. We're just going to keep at this. But, like, long term for the people of Russia to continue to be isolated is going to have this. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes since Putin clearly sees himself as a celebrity on the world stage and to be not be able to even cheat in the Olympics. <laughs> Probably not a... He only not a considers thing, himself you know? a celebrity on the world stage as long as the stage is very, very long and he can stand very, very far away from other people. <laughs> Have you seen those tables? Like, what is that? They're custom built. That's what, like... That's what I'm hearing, insane. Matt. Is that like so that there just there may actually be some stuff going on with with uh, with Vladimir, uh, and so like he's refusing to sit near to be near other humans. I don't know. And that just psychologically, like what? Like there are other humans in the room, right? <laughs> like, and and none of them are like, oh, I have a gun. Like I just like nobody thinks like. But it's just psychologically, like you just become part of a world and you're you're warped into it. The social pressure, the all of it, like I don't, it's just nuts. I have so many questions and so many like, I don't get it. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot, Matt. Uh, I, I stand by our take last week that the, the world has significantly changed uh, in. Uh, <laughs> and I thought we had gotten used to the world completely changed. I mean, it's kind of, it's like change and not change, right? Like it's like change, but it's also this, like, it's this, I mean, hundred percent agree. Right. But then I'd like, I'd like layer up by saying it's an unveiling, right? Mm. Like, like the evil's always been in the world, but now we're like getting to see it clearly. And we also have had like, like the other way that it's changed is that like we had some, it wasn't that there wasn't evil in the world or corrupt or horrible corruption and all mm-hmm. these things. Right. But like we had some system in place to at least like, like keep the waters at bay or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Like some kind of like, you know, like we had like the, uh, I don't know what you call it. Like the, the flood banks or, I mean, you know, like we had like, we were able to like, okay, this is how we're going to like, just keep starting. levies. It's not fair. Yeah. Levies, you know, <laughs> like we're not saying it's fair or just or anything, but it's at least maintaining some level of like stability somewhere. Uh, and now that appears to have cracked. Yeah. But it's not as if like the world was good two weeks ago. And now <laughs> it's corrupt. No, like it was still corrupt. It was just like there was some kind of structure in place to keep the nuclear warheads from leaving the silos. And I don't know anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's also. Oh, man, it's just like it's kind of bizarre. <laughs> That seems ridiculous. It's fully bizarre and surreal and all those words. Um, How, at least from, you know, my vantage point here in the West, how pro-Ukrainian everybody seems to be, right? Hard not to be at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Hard not to be, but as if, as if, yeah. But But, corruption also. (laughs) But we're not going to save them. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. We've got the sanctions that, that seem to be really much stronger than everybody else thought. And like, you know, I imagine like, like you and many of our listeners, I'm listening. I've got about three or four Russia, Ukrainian podcasts, uh, Ukraine podcasts going. Um, and there are like, there are some things that like Zelensky asked for that the, that NATO, the UN are not going to give, right? Like he wants a no fly zone. And we're like, oh, we can't get involved. We can't actually do it like that. <laughs> but 
you know, it's, yeah, I don't know. That occurred to me today. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, as we continue this journey of Lent, uh, and we we think we know how that journey ends. I feel like I also keep reading these articles. There's like three ways that it can end. And I keep clicking on them, hoping that like one of those ways is going to be really great. And they're always bad. Like all three are like bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like maybe eventually, like, you know, we'll, we'll get, but none of them are pleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what that also says. Where do we... Where do we go from here? I don't know what we're going to be talking about next week or how this continues to move, but this is our our um, our Lent. This is our this is our Lenten season. So on that happy note, we should talk about these texts. Let's do it, man. Second Sunday in Lent, Year C. I like these texts. I like years. These are C. good ones, yeah. I thought I only liked year A because of all that catechumen and stuff. But you know what? C, it's not bad. Uh, we get this stuff from Genesis. And it's uh, a little vision for Abram. A little vision. A pretty great vision. <laughs> I wonder if he needed an axe. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said... Uh, okay, our Lord God, what will you give me? Um, for I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. I need a no-fly zone. This this other stuff is not is not enough. And Abram said, you have given me no offspring. And so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, this man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. Sorry, Ishmael. He brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them iconic iconic line from the lord here this is a good one i just want to you know then he said to him so shall your descendants be and he believed the lord and the lord reckoned it to him as righteousness also another classic line there kierkegaard particularly loves that line the lord reckoned it to him as righteousness kierkegaard writes entire books about that one line And then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, oh, Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And the Lord thinks about it and Lord says, oh, I've got an idea how I can prove it. Why don't you do this? Bring me a heifer, three years old, female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought them all these. And then he went to REI and bought a hatchet. It was German. Oh, no. Quality, and uh, I cut them in two, cut them in two, <laughs> laying each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. Okay. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, are they really birds of prey if they're coming down on the carcasses? Mm-hmm. I mean, those are more like scavengers, right? Like, I would I think so. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Abram drove them away as the sun was going down. I mean, it's kind of like a, you know, they used to say a T-Rex was like this, but then they thought the T-Rex was probably more like a scavenger. Anyway, uh, as the sun was going down. I mean, this is an old story. It might be a dinosaur. It's true. We might be mistranslating some Hebrew. 
Oh, the T-Rexes came from the carcasses. Abram drove them away. This story just got way more interesting. Mm-hmm. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. A deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. So many great lines in here. And when the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces and on that day the lord made a covenant with abram saying to your descendants i give this land from the river of egypt to the great river the river euphrates word of god word of life thanks be to god vivid vivid stuff here that is matt that's uh it's one of my favorite stories, I think. I like all the imagery of it. I got a couple notes here, Matt. Number one, I've preached on it many times. I'm sure listeners have, have preached on it a bunch. The, the promise and the stars, right? Uh, look up in the sky. Count the stars if you even can. That's as numerous as your descendants will be. Uh, this year, this time through it, the thing that I think is interesting about it is, is, is that that is a promise of the future. And the promise for the future is up in the heavens, in those stars. But the, the crazy, like, science-y thing here is that that is actually the past, Right. That, mm-hmm. that, you know, we don't know that stars burn out until millions of years after they have because the light is so far away that we don't like light years, how light years work. Right. Like it takes uh, the light keeps coming because the light has to travel so far. And so the light he's looking at, the lights of the stars, the promise for tomorrow is actually the past uh, that, that God is, that Yahweh is having Abraham look into. Uh, so that's just a really fun time thing. The promise of the future is in the past. You can imagine God uh, doing this and thinking, oh my gosh, 2,000 years from now and they figure out how light years work. This <laughs> how is light works. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's what uh, God had set up a number of like things that are going to be great when we learn things. <laughs> um Item number two, it's always worth explaining. I always love, still am waiting to see a great children's sermon on this text. Uh, <laughs> that this is this uh, oath-making ritual that was done in the ancient Near East that's not um, particular to uh, these uh, realites or the Hebrew people, uh, where you would cut up uh, animals, you cut them in half. Uh, and then so when that burning pot passes in between the cut up pieces, uh, it is... God, it is Yahweh saying, if I break this promise, uh, I'll rend myself in half the same way these animals are torn in half. Um, so it, cause it can, you know, if you don't, it's a pretty bizarre, uh, scene, uh, completely out of context there. So, um, yeah, that does help it make more sense, but it's a very messy ritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got to find a way to, to, bring this liturgical practice back into the church, right? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Fair. Fair. It's God putting it all on the line there, right? Like, and, you know, uh, foreshadows what is to come in Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I will, like... I don't know if this works or not, but the one, like... Because it's always hard to take one of these ancient rituals which is super interesting but hard to figure out how you translate it in the present day without like you know turning it into a a lecture so like how do you how do you do this explaining and i think i mean one one way to think about it is just the power of um 
of, of tangible things and of images. We do a lot of using words to talk about promises. And what Abram does here is like, okay, I hear your words, mm-hmm. but I need more than, more than words, you know? And I think like there's different ways that we can think about that, whether that's like our own liturgical arts. I don't know that we want to get this messy and bloody with it, but there is power in having mm-hmm. visuals, whatever that might look like for us today. And uh, we do have a couple of pretty important uh, tangible visuals are sacraments. And so we can also, it, it also might be a way into thinking about the sacraments, which we do eat the body and drink the blood. I mean, we, we have some pretty weird sacraments ourselves. And so if you want to preach a sacramental sermon, uh, this one might give you a way in too. It might be a helpful way pastorally to understand um, your people a bit as well, to think about it that way. I really like that idea. I was just in a conversation with someone where we were, uh, where it came up that, you know, people are really upset about like the candles in worship. Uh, but, you know, obviously it's not about the candles. Um, and, you know, I, I typically find myself, uh, I'm guilty of finding myself in the places where you're like, oh yeah, they care. Like, no, we can change everything. We can like play with the stuff. Like it's okay to, to, to play with the stuff. Um, but to hear what you just said, Matt, right. That like, that's true. I think, right. That, that the candles don't matter that much and we can change the candles. But if the candle is the, that thing, right. That, that for someone that God has, um, that has become the physical sign of God's promise. Um, mm. it's important to, to hear that. And to say it out loud, I guess too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know the young the young pastor seminarian thing of like silly congregation they're having to fight about carpet color those ding dongs don't they know it doesn't matter? Yeah, you never. I mean, one person's carpet color is another person's uh, smoking fire pot and flaming torch. So <laughs> among the strong carcasses of three year old animals, but not birds. Birds really get off easy on this. I guess it's hard to find a three year old pigeon. Yeah. I mean, the pigeon could have lived through it, right? Like or the turtle dove, whatever it is. You just put it in a cage. Yeah, yeah it's true. Mm-hmm. That's how bad it is to be a bird. That the God's like, yeah, uh, it's bad enough if I just promise that I'll, like, if I don't fulfill the promise, I'll become a bird, not a bird ripped in half, right? Like, uh, <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah, tough week for birds and yeah. readings. Tough week. For birds or dinosaurs. Mm, same thing. Same. Same thing. Philippians. Philippians. Brothers and sisters, siblings, join in imitating me. I mean, if I had to summarize all of Paul's letters, that's what I'd say. That's like, I think that summarizes all of his deal. Imitation of me. Join in your imitation of me imitating Jesus. Uh, observe those who live according to the example you have in us for many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I've often told you them. And now I tell you, even with tears, their end is destruction. Their God is the belly and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my siblings whom I love and long for my joy and crown stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Uh, This week's 
Dave Matthews Band uh, epistle. I think it has a lot to do with uh, ties in very neatly with the gospel. So unless you've got notes, Matt, I defer to the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. Yeah, the only the only note I have from the last time we looked at this text is that word for humiliation there in verse 21 is I have the same word as the Magnificat. I'm not quite sure what that means, but that movement of uh, humiliation to glory also feels like the kind of reversal that happens in the Magnificat. Uh, And since this is the year of Luke, um, maybe we'll see some some notes of that uh, either seasonally or see what's in this gospel so on that note yeah yeah there there's a lot of reversal i think in the text i'm not sure about the abraham or the abram at this juncture um well actually i am sure i'm sure about it man and i'll tell you uh it's it's god right that yahweh is uh the god becoming the sacrifice is the reversal piece right instead of the sacrifice being made to the god the god has become the sacrificial uh dove or what have you so reversals all up in here and that takes us into Nice, short, sweet gospel reading, Matt. We're in, uh, we're skipped ahead nine chapters from last week. Some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, get away from here. For Herod, or in a key and peel sketch, Herod, wants to kill you. He said to them, go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow. I guess today is casting out demons, tomorrow is cures. And on the third day, I finish my work. Busy guy, Jesus. And yet today, tomorrow, and the next, I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. I see your house is left to you and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Whew. Short, but uh, a lot going on. Short, but a lot going on. We got some more animals. We got foxes. No, did you know, Matt? I did the word study. Had to do the word study on fox. Only three uh, times does fox appear, at least in the Greek New Testament. And uh, this is the only unique one. The other two are uh, foxes have their dens. Um, you know, birds have their nests. Uh, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Kind of a deal. Um, so here's the big reversal that I think Jesus is setting up here. Uh, he's painted our good friend Herod as the fox, and the fox is living in a den. And so on one hand, there's this like fight for the soul of Jerusalem. Is it the fox's den, or is it the, the hen's nest, the hen house? Uh, and the reversal thing that I kind of found compelling is that Jesus is going to go turn, Jesus is going to go nest, if you will, in the fox's den. Uh, and so if you're looking for that classic Lucan flippy flip reversal, unexpected one into the other, I think that's what Jesus is doing here. I like that. Yeah. Nice. The other way to take it, Matt, is that last week, you know, we got the temptation of Jesus. I think it was David Ewert I read, uh, painted this as, because uh, it's it's chronologically pretty out of order, but it's a continuation. It's a temptation of Jesus. At this point, the Pharisees... Um, 
see Jesus as pretty friendly because they were pretty anti-Herod. And so uh, they knew Jesus. Herod only learns about Jesus in Luke in chapter 9, a couple chapters ago. But they know that Herod uh, doesn't like him. So if Herod doesn't like him, that means, you know, enemy, my enemy could be my friend here. And so they are interested in Jesus doing whatever it takes to mess up Herod's deal. And so they come in a, in a friendly way to try to get Jesus to be safe. Um, to keep doing his thing that bothers Herod. And so the temptation that that you could see this reading as is a temptation not of, of power and authority and, and identity as it was last week, but in terms of fear, it's the temptation to be to be afraid. Um, and that's super resonant for Luke and that a, a note that I picked up on this year as we've, we've made our way through Luke, how concerned Luke is with fear that anytime God appears, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid to the shepherds, to the, the pregnant women, to, to Mary, to, to, to Elizabeth. Um, and here, the, even the Pharisees are afraid for Jesus and that's the temptation and he rejects it. Right? He's going to go build a nest in the fox's den. Amen. I like it. I like it. Well, I also just want to circle circle that imagery of the mother hen with the brood under her wings. I still think it's valuable. I know that we as preachers see it there every three years and it's pretty pretty familiar to us, but um Again, like I, I just, we, we just did a series in the Lord's Prayer and uh, talking about different images for God, and I think it is still powerful for folks to hear some of these, some of these other images. Uh, a female bird, a hen, a mother hen. This is how Jesus describes himself. I mean, gosh, you want to talk about some gender bending? Jesus is Jesus is doing it right here. This was one of the passages that we read once in confirmation class. That led one of my confirmation students to suggest that God is gender fluid, yeah, yeah. which coming from a middle school student was pretty awesome. So, uh, you know, anytime the text hands that up to you on a uh, and offers it to you on a Sunday morning, uh, it might be worth running with. You know, this this reading is stuck in, in chapter 13, which is where you get some of like the classic like Luke and flips like mustard seed, I think, precedes this. Um, mm-hmm. Just think about all the badass birds we put on crests and flags and stuff, right? Like, like it's still the coolest yeah. thing that the Mexican flag has an eagle eating snake, right? Like that's pretty great. That's pretty awesome, right? Uh, and in, in in the states, you know, we we take a, a scavenger and, and make it like the body go look really like mean and stuff, even though it just is a, it's a scavenger in, in the first one. Yeah. Um, but you don't see many chickens, <laughs> and if you do, right, it's it's uh, male fighting chickens, right? Like you don't see mother hens. Uh, so I challenge you. I would love to see a church logo that incorporates a chicken that claims the mother hen as the image of your congregation. If you need a church mascot, you know Matt's got a lion, just a little much, Matt. That's not what Jesus would choose. Uh, maybe C.S. Lewis uh, in Boulder. I've got a naked buffalo. There's some vulnerability built in there, but maybe it should be a yeah. female chicken. I'll be honest with you. I did circle the word wings because we do have these giant wings you in do. Our church building. And we just started putting them everywhere. Like we put them on our new offering envelopes. And I was just visiting someone that was like, I keep seeing these wings everywhere. They're on my business card now. Uh, and of course, and like, you're think wearing a pair right now. Our listeners can't see it because it's an audio. <laughs> you can't even see this. They're huge. It's basically like uh, Matt Damon and Dogma. They just yeah. take out my jacket and it's just like, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty great stuff. Matt has a whole uh, Elton John vibe all the time now. 
always thought of them. Now he's a homeowner. Angel wings. Angel wings because we're in the city of angels. But maybe, man, that would be interesting. Chicken wings. Take that and talk about them as chicken wings or or the wings of Jesus, the mother hen. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they're bright, colorful wings too. Like, uh, so anyway, if you have giant wings on the side of your church, (laughs) or maybe you should paint little chicken wings and play the chicken song. Is that on your playlist this week? Chicken song, no, but that'd be pretty good. I will throw in, uh, you know, nobody loves a, a kind of like out there abstract time sermon more than I do. Jesus is playing with time too. I got stuff to do today, tomorrow, and then he introduces this other like category of time, the third day, right? Like, how does the third day? So, yeah. to play with how the third day fits in with with the promise of yesterday, what is today, and tomorrow, and you've got this whole third day thing. Amazing. Boom, man. Boom. What are you listening to? Uh, there's good stuff this week, Matt. Uh, I'm not going to put this is what the, uh, what the Fox says, which is still a good song, even though it's made by Norwegian like DJs as a joke. Uh, but I'm going to put Fox on the Run by Sweet Fox on the Run. That's what Jesus is like. Everybody thinks Jesus is on the run here, but he's going to flip it around and the Fox is going to be on the run. Uh, and then, you know, we got Paul talking about his tears. We've got uh, Jesus and the, the Pharisees got a little bit of fear. So I'm going to go tears for fears. Everybody wants to rule the world uh, in this uh, in this tension between whether, you know, for the people of God in, in a metaphorical way, are you living in the in as we live in our own little Jerusalems? Is it the fox's den or is it? Uh, the hen house we're living in. And finally, Charlie Crockett, uh, who is a super interesting guy who, who sings uh, country music. Um, but considering like a black Puerto Rican, pretty worldly Hebrew, like Jewish background, uh, has a pretty good song called I Am Not Afraid, which uh, I think is a good anthem this week. Awesome. Love it. I'm not going to put the chicken song, but it did make me think of other chicken songs. For example, Chickens in Love. Oh, Chickens in Love. Bok, Bok. 826LA's, uh, like years, probably 10 years ago. At least, yeah. 826LA put out, a, put out an album. And the album are, it's lyrics written by students. And then like actual, like art like some pretty famous like fiona apple and huh? this one is by edward sharp and the magnetic zeros put these lyrics uh to song chickens in love it's so good. i got chickens i got chickens in love i mean you wouldn't think this this concept would work but somehow it's like dang these songs are actually really good the fiona apple song <laughs> until the new album was maybe my favorite fiona apple song <laughs> it's really good stuff um i'd like to tell you it's really obscure and you can only get it at the 826 la store but it's on spotify, it's on spotify you can find it on spotify and go listen to it so uh go check it out chickens in love uh is the song that'll work for this week but the whole album is good just treat yourself a listener and listen to that whole album um and then uh i need a star song and i heard a song uh, in a big box store uh, the other day, and I was like, "What song is this? This sounds so familiar. This is some this is some Cold War power pop right here. This is like some late '80s power pop." Uh, and since we're in another Cold War, uh, "Waiting for a Star to Fall" by Boy Meets Girl. Go look mm. it up. You're like, "What song is that?" Go listen. Go check it out, listener, and you'll be like, "Oh yeah, that one." This takes me back to when we lived under the threat of nuclear war. And then finally. <laughs> Uh, 
I need another star song, so uh, I'll go with a with a classic that I'm sure I've used a million times. But all the stars, mm. Kendrick Lamar, and that's Stizzle, a good one uh, from that Black Panther soundtrack. It is it is so good. Just uh, Kendrick's amazing, Sizz's amazing, and just a just an incredible um, bass line in that song. So go check it out. Well, man, it's been good. It's been good. It's been good. It's been real. Uh, vinyl. 